Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. I'm Mike Salmon, filling in once again this week for Duffy Dixon. And joining me on the show is Ben Sawyer. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Soar Vision Group. Ben has over 30 years of executive leadership experience. He launched the Soar Vision Group to help align people with purpose and to achieve exceptional results. Lisa Council is also here. She's the Chief Commercial Officer. She comes to SOAR with more than two decades of clinical leadership and clinical informatics experience. She spent 19 years at the McKesson Corporation leading large teams in clinical consulting, EHR optimization, ROI teams, direct sales, and sales support. And our guest once again this week is Bob Fangmeyer. Bob is the director of the Baldridge Performance Excellence Program at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. He joined the Baldridge Program in 1997 and after serving in numerous roles over the years, was named director finally in November of 2013. Well-deserved. Since then, Bob has been focusing on expanding the reach and impact of Baldridge, providing new and improved products and services, ensuring efficient and effective operations, and planning for strategic capability and capacity needs. He has owned and managed small businesses and holds a Master's of Business Administration degree from the University of Maryland. So he joins us once again this week for the Deep Dive episode. Awesome. Well, Bob, thanks for coming back. We really appreciate you being on uh, two weeks in a row. And the conversation last week was fascinating. Uh, it went, as usual, too fast. And one of the things that you were starting to get into last week, but we really didn't get a chance to explore it, was the evolution of Baldridge. And so for listeners, if you don't mind just taking a minute or two and kind of elaborating on some of those things, I think they'll find it fascinating. Ben, I appreciate being here. Mike and Lisa, thank you both so much. I appreciate it. So, yeah, the Baldridge Program. So we were established in 1987, as was already said, as a public-private partnership with a very uh, grand purpose, that being to improve the quality and performance of organizations of all kinds, so as to improve their competitiveness and ultimately the quality of life in the U.S. Now, originally, Baldridge was essentially a presidential quality award that was intended to bring attention to the importance of and benefit derived from having a robust leadership-driven and customer-focused uh, quality management system. Notice the customer focus and leadership-driven was in this program from the start. Hmm, interesting. And there were, there were three categories of the award, manufacturing, service, and small business. Now, the impact that Baldrige had in those sectors ultimately led to the expansion to include healthcare, education, and nonprofit. Now, you know, I think we would all agree that in the 80s, an organization that had a robust quality management system would have had a distinct competitive advantage. Right. Sure. However, I think most of us today would also recognize that today things have really changed. And in most industries, having high quality products and services is, is more of a barrier to entry than it is driving a competitive advantage. And even, even in organizations where maybe high quality is not assumed, other aspects of the customer experience uh, really are helping to um, enable and drive 
uh, organizational success. And yeah, that is so true. I mean, just to give some examples, so right now in the consumer products uh, industry, there is a lot of competition on home delivery of products and services. So mm-hmm. Kroger, for example, has a uh, innovation of a little mobile device they're using out in the, the Arizona market. Uh, obviously, Amazon's been talking about this yeah. for a long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it ends up becoming how do you maximize the consumer experience? Quality is sort of assumed right. as a competitive, you know, it's like it's like just to just to be in the market, you have to have a quality uh, application or service, right? And then you can absolutely, diff- absolutely. Yeah, so and, that and is a big, the, go ahead. Sorry. One of the things we've seen, and, I, and last week we talked a little bit about why some organizations don't participate um, there's there is a bit of a misunderstanding still today. Uh, some organizations think that Baldridge is really just still a quality award, and right. really we are so much more than that today. Uh, we help organizations focus on all of those ever-changing needs and expectations of all of their key stakeholders, including their workforce members, governance bodies, communities, and of course the customers, etc. Right. So we're, we're going to dig into that more, but I just want to say to listeners, uh, Lisa and I were at the Baldrige Quest Conference again this year, and uh, Secretary uh, of Commerce Wilbur Ross was there giving the awards to the Baldrige. It, it is cool. Like, it's cool. There's no, there's sort of no other place where you get that level of visibility from the government as it relates to performance. And it's not about the award, by the way, and every one of the Every one of the, the people that re- organizations that received the award stated that very clearly, but it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but they can say that they were the ones receiving the award. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's very true. Now it's it's not all about the award. It's about getting better. It's about right. um, you know improving. But none of them are going to give that award back, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, precisely right. So, They're very glad to get it. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's get practical, um, Lisa. You're out there talking with people, like we talked about on last week's show. You don't really just bring along your Baldrige criteria and say, hey, let's turn to page 23. I want to talk. So what? how are you approaching it, Lisa? Well, I mean, again, it's kind of, uh, it's everybody's thinking about just-in-time information, just-in-time results, just-in-time quality, right? I feel like everybody wants something quicker and faster. So, um, you know, really being able to tap into, um, you know, what we call the organizational hierarchy of needs, which um, I love, Ben, how you really describe. It's really teased out of the Baldridge criteria, um, and most people can really relate to Maslow's hierarchy. And the minute you say that, they go, oh, yeah, that's right. It's exactly what that is, and all that infrastructure is nested in, inside. So um, it, it makes a huge difference as they think about, oh, well, I'm not just going to go for an award, right? I'm actually going to change my organization for the betterment of the whole, right? I'm going to, I'm really going to impact. Um, so we really do. We're we're seeing a lot of, you know, uh, that message resonating with potential you know people moving into the Baldridge award of okay I I think I could get a hold of this and digest this and do something with it versus that really long document that they're they're trying to trying to get through so Bob I'd be curious you know if you feel like um, again you you described a few tools from last week's session where you're you know trying to make it easier and trying to engage people to really pursue the pathway you know, do you believe that this organizational hierarchy of needs, is that helping? Well, I, I honestly, I can't speak to uh, the effectiveness of, of your particular tool and approach, but certainly there is, um, you know, a, a need for that sort of 
um, tool where you can help organizations achieve results faster. We work very hard to make sure we don't, and that means me as well, uh, don't get prescriptive and, and say that sure. this is the tool you should use. So if it's working for organizations, I think that's fantastic, um, particularly if it is doing, as we discussed last week, ensuring that those subsystems and supporting infrastructure components are all being brought along with it. Yeah, so um, for the sake of listeners, let's just explain a little bit what it is because it's, as a po it's a communication tool is really what it is. Uh, but what it's really showing is the the reference to the Baldrige criteria that's been lurking in there for a while. We just helped to tease it out. So let me let me explain to the listener. So first of all, you can follow along at leaderdialogue.com. Dialogue is again spelled D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E. Um, and on the homepage is the organizational hierarchy of needs. In the organizational hierarchy of needs, the foundation is colleague engagement. We talked about that. So. Uh, if you do not have your colleagues engaged in a meaningful way around a common and shared strategy and leaders are not supporting them, it's going to be very hard to ultimately fulfill your, your customer uh, demands, which is in the middle of the organizational hierarchy of needs. Between customer demands and, the, and the, the colleague engagement is organizational effectiveness. So organizational effectiveness is obviously all about efficiency, so forth. It ties directly to category six, which is operations as well as the other categories, but most notably category six, whereas whereas the colleague engagement specifically links to category five, which is workforce, and then customer demands tie to category three, which is, which is customers. Um, ultimately then, um, to be able to uh, get the kinds of comparative results that you want, including financial results, you have to have an effective strategy and leadership that knows how to be able to set direction, that is at the top of that mm -hmm, leader dialogue. That's the pinnacle, and it's basically the idea of how do you align people with purpose to achieve exceptional results to ultimately drive those comparative things. So uh, when we say tool, it's a communication tool to be able to engage uh, the business owners across sectors in a way that says, does that make sense, and, and what kind of responses are you getting Lisa when you're posing that question well I mean again it's kind of you know there's a next step to that is okay everyone wants to be at the top the pinnacle right yeah. so we want to be tightly aligned that's that's utopia but you know I also have some quick wins that I can accomplish inside my organization so if you're if you're in the lower left hand of the triangle you know really they can start accomplishing some quick wins and drive some momentum as they move through the pathway or the journey and then fundamentally you know I don't think that it's ever going to be sustainable if you don't really accomplish the lower right hand side of the of the triangle and really hardwire these practices into everyone inside the organization again it can't be a you know just a small number of people who embrace Baldridge and change their organization it has to be everyone so hardwiring and you know when we go through that conversation you know I see the lights go on like oh I get it now I can I can digest this and do something with it yeah so it's a door it's a door to enter into the larger Baldridge performance excellence journey conversation and and Bob you articulated for us uh, last week kind of what that was about, right? The seven categories and so forth. Absolutely. As we get into today's deep dive, and we're really talking about um, how do you maximize your performance in the age of consumerism, 
there's a, a, a quote that comes to mind, and that is uh, that we, we hear, which is customer loyalty is won on the battlefield of customer experience. So if that, in fact, is true, what are some of the things that business owners, irrespective of, of, of uh, a sector, should be thinking about as it relates to making sure they're winning on that battlefield? Well, I, so I would, I would say uh, that organizations need to be paying attention to, uh, first of all, much of what you just said. I agree with completely uh, the importance of your colleague engagement and driving organizational effectiveness, making sure you're addressing that customer value. And that's, that's sort of where we're at right now, right? So we're looking at how do you ensure that the organization and its leaders are really understanding and addressing those uh, requirements and expectations that come from their uh, customers, right. and and there is great change happening as as you referenced. Um, so making sure you understand what are those factors, what are the elements of the experience that are going to create the loyalty and the interest and the support um, for your organization uh, and your products. So one of the first uh, things that the Baldridge Criteria talks about is doing a voice of the customer mm -hmm. assessment. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit, uh, Bob, as, as it relates to how that's such a useful tool for organizations that are getting going in this? Well, I'll start by saying, uh, as I referenced last time, um, we have 11 core values, and customer-focused right. excellence is one of those core values. And, and we characterize those core values as sort of the underpinnings of the framework and the individual criteria questions themselves. And so a, a customer-focused organization addresses not only sort of the product and service characteristics that meet their requirements, but also the unique features and characteristics that differentiate the organization from its competitors. And that's where sometimes organizations think they know right what the customer wants right they're making assumptions yes. they're, they're basing decisions on on sort of gut feel and things of that sort um that's not going to cut it right frankly uh you really need to um sort of thoughtfully survey or in other ways engage uh your customers and potential customers to understand what it is that is going to create an interest in your organization and your products and services, and that sort of instrument that you mentioned is is one one way of certainly doing that. So let's just talk about a couple of practical examples of that, Lisa. So in healthcare, classic, right? So we assume totally. we assume because patients have always been coming in the same way, they're going to need the same thing, and yet we find there's a millennial population that doesn't want to come in. They want to be able to talk to their. They want telehealth. They want that it's on their phone. <laughs> I'm going to show you this lesion. I don't need to go see somebody. Yeah, yeah. In so, the office. so if you're not paying attention and actually finding out precisely what they need, someone else can swoop in and and take out segments of your market. And again, because look at Amazon. Look what they're. I mean, they're yeah. totally disruptive. They're changing. They're renting. They're creating virtual hospital rooms right. and virtual and it's kind of crazy but they're right. being disruptive right and so that also when you dig into voice of the customer a little bit more bob you get into some market segmentation right absolutely uh, yeah, yeah yeah so so one of the things that might be interesting to the listeners is when you're talking about market segmentation typically you're looking at 
kind of four bases of that. So there's a there's kind of a geographic component to it. So that's you know customer location, region, urban versus rural, that sort of thing. There is a demographic for market segmentation that has to do with age and gender and occupation and socioeconomic group and that sort of thing. And then there are behavioral characteristics that you have to be aware of. Um, so the rate of usage, the benefits sought, loyalty status, status, readiness to purchase. And then there's this classification called psychographic, which is personality, lifestyles, attitudes, and class. So, so it's more um, than just going out and asking people Doing questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's understanding how are your customers coming in and from what vantage point and how do you segment that so that you know what kind of products and offerings to provide, right? And and then understanding how well you're responding to those needs and expectations for each of those various segments. Exactly. I mentioned last week that Baldridge is all about results, right? Right. Uh, so when you're looking at your results, you need to make sure that you are properly segmenting your results so you can understand where it is you're doing well and where it is you need to improve. Right, exactly. And that's that's what we were talking about or at least trying to represent in the organizational hierarchy of needs. That's why I was saying I think it, it's been lurking in the Baldridge standards for a long time. That's organizational effectiveness, right? That's between colleague engagement and, and customer fulfillment is you have to be able to then figure out, once you know that information, what you're going to do about it. Yeah, for us, I would also put that in our Category 4, the measurement analysis and knowledge yes, management absolutely. category as well. But certainly, it, it, it has a huge role in organizational effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I th what we do on the organization hierarchy of needs image is measurement analysis and, and knowledge management are circumferential yes. around, right? Because yeah. they, they literally, uh, I think, and you tell me if this is correct, are pervasive in basically anything an organization would do to be effective. Is that correct? Absolutely. On the Baldridge framework diagram, we put it as sort of the floor of the entire framework, right? Yeah. It's what everything else rests upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just as a little funny thing, i got to tell you, I've been trying to find a better term, better name for that category for a long time. <laughs> Hard to get that out. We call it make them. Yeah. analysis and knowledge management. Anyhow. Yeah, yep. I, I've seen that used before, and then people are like, what? Yes. What's make them? Yeah. Too many <laughs> words too for a category. Yeah, yeah, Anyhow. yeah. Yeah, no, it's all good. So if an organization is doing that, they're doing voice to the customer, they're doing some segmentation, they're thinking it through as it relates to their product offerings, they're becoming uh, efficient, What what is kind of next for them, um, Bob, from the standpoint of being able to really, again, win on this battlefield, uh, customer loyalty being earned through customer experience? Well, I mean, obviously, once you understand what it is the customers are looking for and once you start measuring uh, whether or not you're meeting that, uh, the next step is to continually improve what you're doing, right? To, to right. modify your processes, your products, your services, et cetera, to, to really optimize how well you are responding to those needs and expectations of your customers so that you will drive loyalty, as you mentioned, uh, increase revenues, uh, engagement, and, and in many cases, market share, even, even perhaps new markets. Sometimes you find something in that data that helps point you in a, in a direction that you maybe weren't thinking of going in, but all of a sudden there's a huge opportunity here for you. Right. So I know this is kind of near and dear to your heart, Bob, because you started off with performance improvement systems. That was kind of the segue into um, the Baldridge. What are kind of the characteristics uh, within the Baldridge framework of an ideal performance management system? Well. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. I know I well, just did. I, it, 
the challenge there is it's it's essentially the full framework to be honest i mean the ideal uh, system incorporates all of these things it incorporates right. your leadership it incorporates your planning and strategy of course your right. customers and all and all the rest and ultimately generating and resulting in in those outcomes that are going to uh, ensure your success and sustainability right so it's not just a technique or a tool no. like lean or six sigma Correct. or whatever those it's can people process and technology. Yeah, it's it has absolutely. To be. It's the whole thing, and and I, I really well stated. It's it's putting the whole framework uh, together to be able to make that happen. Um, so Bob, as as organizations um, are are competing in this digital uh, age, and really not not being able to understand, you know, at any given time where a competitor may come from. What is the kind of um, essentially market assessment and things like that that they should be considering in the strategy category, which I think is category two, right? Yes, that's category two. Um, well, you know, we expect organizations, well, we, we, we suggest that organizations uh, will pay very close attention to those uh, factors out there in their environment that are changing. Right. Uh, whether it's technology, which has sort of been referenced here, right. whether it's the needs and expectations of the markets, et cetera, whether it is uh, your sort of role in the, the larger ecosystem. And this is one of the things that we're sort of drawing out more with this newest version of the framework, yeah. is that uh, high-performing organizations are really beginning to recognize the fact that you know, we're not operating in isolation here. We have a whole ecosystem of, of suppliers and collaborators and competitors and customers. And we need to be attentive to our role in that ecosystem because right. it can create new opportunities for us in terms of efficiencies, but also new markets and um, uh, opportunities for innovation and, and uh, new revenue streams. Right. So along with that opportunity, of course, comes risk. And you, you yeah. mentioned last week some of the innovations that you guys are doing on cybersecurity? Yes. So talk to us a little bit about that um, and how that needs to be incorporated into this uh, you know, discussion of the market and exposures and stuff that are available on in, in terms of the digital and web world, but also have risks. Perfect. Um, yeah, so actually cybersecurity has been in the Baldridge criteria since around 2001, although it has been there as that term. That term has evolved since then, right? Yeah. But protecting data and information has been in the Baldridge framework and criteria since 2001. Right. In recent years, obviously, cybersecurity has taken on uh, a greater uh, level of import for organizations right. in terms of their success and sustainability. And so we've had to beef that up a bit in, in the framework. And as a part of that, we've worked very, very closely with another division of NIST, the Applied Cybersecurity Division. Oh. And what we did is we, with them, explored through industry representatives and a number of uh, organizations and nonprofits that represent you know, hundreds of organizations, whether or not there was a need for a tool that would help organizations take a more Baldridge-like approach to cybersecurity. Right. And indeed, uh, we learned that there was there was significant interest in sort of a, a self-assessment tool. We're not clear whether there's going to be great demand for a, a recognition program. Some people fear that that'll put a target on their back. Right. But there is a need to share best practices in cybersecurity and ensure that organizations are um, applying cybersecurity in a 
sort of a systems thinking approach, which is what Bulge is all about, right? So yeah. from a cybersecurity perspective, uh, what is the leadership component of that? And what is the, how are you ensuring that your cybersecurity is addressing the needs and expectations of the customers, right? So yeah. um, it, we, it ties in very closely. And as you noted, with the advances in technology and things that are happening, and particularly in healthcare, quite honestly, uh, the sensitivity of data and information that is available and online and now connected to numerous devices, you know, that Internet of Thing concept, Internet of Things. Yeah. It is ever more critical that organizations are aware of um, not just the, the opportunities that are presented by new technology, but also, as you sort of mentioned, the, the risks that, that they need to uh, mitigate as well. Right. No, that makes good sense. So is that tool, that assessment tool, still kind of in the making, or is that is it first draft out type thing? Yes, we're actually on the second version of it. Nice. And it is on our website. Okay. Um, if you go to www.nist.gov slash Baldridge, uh, there's a link to it on our homepage that you can get to, uh, the Baldridge Cybersecurity Excellence Builder. All right, perfect. I, I'm going to pivot from this topic actually to sustainability. Uh, and uh, Bob, I, I recall you and I having a brief conversation uh, at the Quest Conference about board engagement, particularly mm-hmm. with larger organizations for sustainability. Let's just talk a little bit about that um, because another characteristic of the age of consumerism is the life cycle of a CEO goes down. Um, I think the current average right now is three years, even in large organizations where before, obviously, it used to be a lot longer. And and if someone has taken off on a journey like this that's, that's fairly transformational, three years is a fairly compressed time frame. So board engagement from a governance standpoint, sustainability is paramount. Is paramount. What are what are some of um, your thoughts on that? Uh, Bob, and and in terms of some of the thinking as well that's going on within the Baldrige community. Yeah, well, we couldn't agree more. Um, In fact, again, last week we talked about some of those barriers for organizations. Leadership change is one of them. And in fact, it's not uncommon, unfortunately, for organizations that have been on a Baldrige journey, if their leadership changes, the new leaders feel like they've got a mandate to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they stop doing is some of the things that maybe got them as good as they are today, right? And so Unfortunately, we've seen folks uh, drop a Baldrige journey with, uh, with a new leadership change. And that's really unfortunate um, because even in award recipient organizations, if they stop doing the things that, that got them as good as they, they were when they received the award, you know, their performance is going to decline. And so sustaining the, the journey to excellence right. can be a challenge for organizations. And that's why engaging the board is certainly critical. You want to get their buy-in and their support for it, but also, on the other hand, uh, you want to make sure you're you're embedding it into the organization, right, all right. the way down through mm-hmm. uh, your one. front line so that they also understand their role in accomplishing the organization's mission and vision, etc., and that they've, uh, you know, grown accustomed to these, these robust processes that Bulger's helped them put in place. Uh, that have helped them improve their performance and, and uh, satisfy their customers. So, by the way, that sounds a little bit like a preview for a leader dialogue event that we have coming up here in Atlanta on June 6th and 7th for nonprofit health system CEOs and boards to address performance excellence in the age of consumerism. And we have a 
an interesting group of facilitators coming in. Pam Connect, who is the president and CEO of Accord Limited, Roger Spoolman, who is currently the president and CEO of Cure International, but previously was at uh, Trinity Health, and I'll be there helping to facilitate it. At least I think you're going to be there for part of it. Yep, I'll be there. Um, and what we're trying to do is exactly, Bob, what you were just talking about, which is engage boards and CEOs in this sustainability conversation, and how do you effectively apply governance and management principles to be able to link everybody from the board to the front line and create a sustainable journey around the core, which is the Baldridge framework. So for those listeners that are interested in that, we have more on the Leader Dialogue uh, website. So digging into that a little bit more, Bob, from the standpoint of the board, if you're talking to a board member, let's say of a a medium-sized corporation, you choose the sector, what are some of the things that would be top of mind in that conversation that you're having with a board member? I would think that um, some of the challenges that boards are facing today, and and I've heard this, and I'm not trying to repeat what I said previously, but uh, I hear consistently that boards are really sensitive to cybersecurity. Yeah. Boards are really sensitive to uh, general societal responsibility. Right. Right. Uh, that's becoming a more and more critical component of, of what is driving consumer behavior. Right. Um, you know, it, it's not just do you have a high-quality product or service, but are you doing some good in the world, right? It's, right. it's not enough just to be a, a, a good business. Right. And so it's, it's issues like that. It's things that are sort of outside a bit of the sort of traditional uh, thought process of a board. It's not just about ensuring that you're uh, achieving the the proper metrics in terms of your revenues and market share and things of that sort. Right. Um, they've they're beginning to really recognize the fact that they need to be paying attention to a, a broader perspective to ensure the success of their organizations. Well, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, because they're they're not the ecosystem they're handling is not just their internal ecosystem. That's right. They live in a community. They are impacting that community, which, by the way, seems to connect to this community of excellence mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah because that's cross-sector and can provide guidance in that that's that's interesting great yes well and again i think you know as i'm out in the market talking to people about you know really having communities of excellence opportunity they see themselves the opportunity of being more successful because they have partners in that success right. you know no longer is it just me my business or my you know my hospital doing this on my own right now it does complicate i would imagine the baldridge journey because now you have variables outside of your control well by the way lowell cruz and i and and that team have had a number of those conversations because classically in jurisdictions jurisdictions there's a lot of leaders not one there's multiple strategic plans, not yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of volunteers, <laughs> yeah. right? All of which make it kind of difficult to pull yeah, it all right. together into a really tight structure. Who's signing up it to is. be that project manager? Yeah. It is, but I have to say the opportunity there uh, to really make a difference and have some impact very quickly. We've talked a little bit about how even you know within an organization, Baldur's can help you improve quickly. Within communities, imagine getting the, the organizations and their resources aligned oh to address their complex yeah. problems sort of in a, in a collaborative manner rather than everybody working at different things in different yeah, directions. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we are out of time, believe it or not. The 30 minutes just flies. So, Bob, thanks again for being on the show, helping us in this deep dive. I think it was a really fascinating conversation. So, My pleasure. Thank you, much. Thank you both. Yep. Thanks, thanks so much, Lisa. Bob. 
All right. Thank you, folks. I want to thank everyone for joining us here on Leader Dialogue, brought to you by the Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember, you can listen live every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time by visiting businessradiox.com, click on the Gwinnett Studio, and then select Leader Dialogue. Or, better yet, you can visit leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. On behalf of Ben and Lisa and our guest, I'm Mike Salmond. Duffy Dixon will be back next week. Be sure to join us next time for Leader Dialogue right here on Business Radio X. 